those who are watching this on LiveGate Outreach TV or listening on uh, iTunes or Buzzsprouts, our audio channels, I want to say you're welcome. God bless you. Thank you for uh, subscribing to these messages. And also thank you for the messages and the testimonies you send in from time to time. We are truly grateful to God for your lives. And we pray for you every week, wherever you are in the world. We know you are in United Arab Emirates. You are in uh, North America. You are in various parts of Europe. You are very much in Nigeria, very much in other parts of Africa. And we want you to know that we pray for you every week, every week. We believe that what God is doing with us here, God will continue to do in your lives as well in Jesus' name. We want to appreciate God for what he has been doing since we started this series on prospering by divine help. See, the word of prosperity has been so abused in the body of Christ. Not because believers want to do so, but because it is a satanic strategy to twist the word of God that gives us the capability to increase our capacity. And the devil knows that if the word of prosperity is balanced and is what God says it should be, the church on the face of the earth will become unstoppable. So he has taken it to either extreme. Either he puts it to the left extreme where it is seen clearly as something that is not of God and is being abused, used to manipulate people, get money off people and all those kind of things. And that is wrong. Or taken to the far right where it is seen as something that, you know, is just untouchable. Something that must not be discussed at all. Something that is a taboo. Now, there is a balance. That is also not wrong. That is also not right. Now, there is a balance where the word of God has said to us clearly that it is God's will for us to prosper. We always quote from 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, which says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. This prayer, as I said, was written by John to Gaius, but the truth is that this prayer is a prayer that is for the body of Christ. The Bible says for this purpose, Jesus Christ was manifest that he might destroy the works of the evil one. And the Bible says that he became, even though he was rich, he became poor so that through his poverty we might be made what? Rich. So to say that believers should not talk about prosperity is a lie of the devil. And to say that believers should use prosperity to become manipulative and for personal gains on earth is also a lie of the devil. The Bible says he rewards those who diligently seek him. These are written in the word of God. So we must know how the balance is. And the word of prosperity by the grace of God that God has given to us as a mission to preach and teach is the balanced word. The word where the body of Christ must understand first that it is God's will for them to prosper. And that two, God desires that they understand that prosperity is a matter of the spirit, the soul, and the body. Hallelujah. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? So when a man is so-called prosperous, he has all the wealth of this earth, has all the houses, has all the cars, has everything, but his soul is unsaved, it's a waste of time. He said, that's no profit. Mark 8, 36. Jesus said, that's no profit. But what also will it profit a man to have his soul saved, his spirit man saved, but yet live in poverty and not be able to do the will of God? The Bible says the power of God will sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. It will separate you from the world system, spirit, soul, and body. So your spirit man is saved, your soul is saved, your body and your financial resources and your, the things of life should also be saved about you. 
they should also be connected to the desires of God for your life. And so this morning, as we continue our series, I can have the banner up again. Please, God bless you. This is the fifth in the series. And uh, we have looked at receiving divine help for a productive lifestyle. This series, as you can see in the center of the diagram, is prospering by divine help. This is a teaching church. So we're very, very cautious about what is being taught every Sunday. We do not just come here and, and just talk something because we want to talk. We are very intentional and focused about the topics we choose because we are building with God a people. And when you are building a people, you must teach, you must have structure in the form of what is being taught to build those people. This is our mission, to raise with God and for God a people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity. So we're very, very intentional and very methodological about how we deliver what we share. And so this series is structured to help you to see how you can prosper by divine help. How God can take your life from where it is now to where God wants it to be in the power that he himself has made available to you. So this is the fifth in the series. We looked at beginning receiving divine help for a productive lifestyle in our first week. Then we looked at marital success. Marriages will not just succeed without the help of God particularly godly marriages. Listen, friends, it doesn't cost the devil anything to put everything he can to make a marriage that is not going to impact the kingdom of God succeed, in quote. Because at the end of it, it's all hell. How many of you know what I'm talking about? This is why people say, but how are people who are not saved prospering in their marriages and doing well? The devil is not usually against such people. The devil is against everybody, but he doesn't have much to do with such people because there is no problem. You know, somebody is making noise outside there now on the street there. We can't hear him. Do you understand? Why should we bother ourselves about the person? Because the person is outside. He's not disturbing. It's the same way it is. But you see, for you and I who have made up our minds to be after God, to be God chasers, who will give birth to children, who will be God chasers, you and I must know that we need God's help because we are that church that Jesus talked about. The church is not just when people gather in church like this. You as an individual, you're a church. Your marriage is a church which Jesus talked about that he will build and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so I want you to know that there is a need to have marital success by divine help. You can listen to that series. They're all on our, on our, on, online on our podcasts. And also on uh, our YouTube page is LifeGate Outreach TV. You can listen to it. We also looked at parenting. We said without parenting, there is no future. And so God must help us to parent. Parenting is a godly assignment. Psalm 127, the Bible says children are a heritage of the Lord. And God is the one who gives us. He said blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. The word blessed there means empowered of God. It means supported by God. It means enabled by God. That's what the word blessing means. He said, blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. Parenting is hard work. I can tell you that by the grace of God. Parenting is a lot of work. You wake up every day, you have to strategize. Like you strategize in a football match. <laughs> you strategize for your children. Because as they go through various stages of life, they come up with things. At times they do things and you are wondering... Is this, is this child in his mind at all? <laughs> but then that is children. You have to just continue to receive the wisdom of God and, and continue to parent them accordingly. Last week, we had a very powerful session. Pastor Moses led us in a very powerful teaching on the teamwork, on teamwork. 
effective team working. And this is so important for us to understand. If you are going to go from point A to point B, you need me. And if I'm going to go from point A to point B, I need you. We need each other. We need to understand teamwork. It is a lie of the devil to say, I can do it. I don't care. I don't whatever. No, those things are demonic. The moment a marriage starts to see itself that I don't care about her, I don't care about him, the devil comes in and starts to limit the potential. We talk so much during the week about the power of two. Where one will chase a thousand, the Bible says, and two will chase ten thousand. It takes that partnership. The devil doesn't want two to chase ten thousand. So whatever he can do, to disrupt. He disrupts marriages. He disrupts relationships. He disrupts relationships in the workplace. He disrupts relationships among brethren. It's just a matter of time. He looks for any crack he can get, comes in very quickly, and fires rapidly. This is why couples must find time to learn how to just share life and enjoy each other every time. We have an archive of what I call archive of jokes that my wife and I share from time to time. Some of the jokes are over 30 years old. Some have been telling them since I was a child. I taught her those jokes and I still tell her those jokes. I will still enjoy the laugh together. Because you see, the more you laugh together, the more you bond together. The devil doesn't want you to laugh. He wants you to be at each other's neck. So he makes you see everything that is wrong. Instead of seeing the things that are right. There is something right about your spouse. If your spouse is near you, see there is not something right about you. Tell them, if they are not near you, speak to the heavens and say, wherever you are, there's something right about you. <laughs> there's something right about you. I will keep loving that thing. Say, I will keep loving that thing. If your husband or your wife is not here, call their name. Say, I will keep loving that thing that is right about you. <laughs> but now tell them, stop doing the wrong things, however. <laughs> you see now, you, all of you are shouting that one. <laughs> Everybody shout there, stop doing the wrong thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. May God continue to give us insight into these things in Jesus' name. So today we are looking at business creativity. And I just want to quickly, I know we have taken some time, but I want to quickly tell us something that I believe the body of Christ doesn't usually talk about. When we talk about business, a lot of people immediately declass themselves. They say, I'm not a businessman. I'm born a civil servant, I'm born a teacher, I'm born this, I'm born that. And we're not talking about you becoming a businessman that, you know, you, in the context you are looking at. Business creativity is just simply having an ability to generate and implement profitable ideas. No matter how small they are, as long as those ideas can bring you profit, that is business. Business is what? Doing an activity that can give you profit, that can make you profit. When I was a little child, my mother was a banker. Not that she was a top, top banker. She was more like an, a clerical officer in a banker. But she did well with her job. She loved her job. But you know something? I found that all her life, she, all, she always did business. She always had shirts that she was selling to her colleagues. She, you know, that was a very trendy thing to do in banks those days. You, you had colleagues who bought shirts and ties because that's how they dressed. She noticed that it was compulsory for all the men to buy shirts and ties and um, this is a bit funny but i don't mean it is exactly what happened she also noticed that the ladies needed to dress corporately so she initially started with women's things and men's things and she took them to work after work they will all gather and they pick things and bought off her but when she was having too much problem with the ladies she stopped this lady side of things <laughs> 
So, but that was exactly what happened. She came home, she said, I'm no longer sending anything that is ladies-related again, that I've had enough. Anyway, that's not to mean that um, that shouldn't happen. I'm only saying so. But she concentrated on men's shirts and ties, and believe me, she did that for years. And I know she would always have money. Salary was nothing to my mom, because she always had money. My father was not so much business-inclined, but we, 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 we found that when my mom got that thing happening... They were able to start a poultry together. My father was a lecturer. He retired as a lecturer. He's still alive. They're still alive. Thank God for them. And, uh, and I found and I learned from there. But I learned from a very, very late, un- a, a late uncle of mine, very early in time. Somebody that is also related to my dear sister, um, Shade. Dr. Babatolu was a great man. And I want to really thank God for his life today. He taught us, he taught me as a person, how you can be in academics and be a very successful businessman. He and his wife also run businesses. And um, they've, all gone, they've both gone to be with the Lord now. They're not with us. But as a child, because they were sharing the same office with my father, I saw that this man, when my father, when my father collects his own salary, he gives it, he, right before our eyes like this, he will distribute letters, checks. You take this one, you take this one. And that is it. He's waiting on my mom again to keep the finances going. Because nothing else was coming in. But this man, I saw that he was a lecturer like my dad, but I learned from him that he had also the ability. They, they could go on holidays. They did things. I said, this man is doing the same work with my father. There must be something about it. So I learned. I got very close to him. Then I found that he had a lot. His wife was also in the bank, the same bank my mom, my mom was working. And um, I learned from them that with godly sense, they were running businesses. They were not shortchanging their employers. They were always at their duty post, but they were running businesses and things that were yielding profit. They were investing. And then I learned that, oh, a job or a salary is never meant to limit you. It takes your idea, your, your understanding of business creativity for you to be able to come into what God wants for you. So when we talk about business creativity, it involves the ability to generate and implement profitable ideas. These are the things, these ideas will empower you to have the resources to fulfill your life's mandates. I've met many believers who say, I wish, Pastor, I can do this, I can do that. God wants you to do those things. But you cannot do them if you don't allow him to empower you with the ways and the resources to be able to do them. Many times I ask myself, I ask my wife, I said, how would I have been able to do this job as a pastor, standing before you by the grace of God and doing this, if God is not supernaturally supplying my need? Because the need on a pastor, you don't have a clue what a pastor goes through. Almost every week, you have to be giving money not just to church members, people from all over who believe that you can help. So if you don't have a source that is from divine, you will always live in pain. Because when you hear those needs, something will push your heart, but there's nothing you can do about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you need God. And this is not just about a pastor. Every believer needs to be empowered. Somebody needs just five pounds, ten pounds. If you cannot give it, it pains you, it hurts you. Because you know that that person has a very dire need of that 10 pounds. But because there is no salary has finished from December 2. <laughs> so, so what are you going to do by December 10? So you need to understand. You need to understand that you need God. So this, the, the purpose of this message is for you to settle with God. 
with some principles. This is not to teach you how to do business. You can learn that online. Go online, say how to do business. Put it in Google. You will see things that will teach you that. I want to tell you how to partner with God for business ideas. So I want you to be writing today. How I am telling you practical things I have learned over time that are scriptural, that when you do, God gives you ideas that make you prosper in ways that you could never have imagined. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. The Bible says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Let's read together. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Let's read that again. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way that you should go. Let's read verse 18. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Like I said, when we were starting this, everything God is asking is just for us to believe. He came again and he reminded us as this message was about to start, that if only we believe, won't we see the glory of God? I have found that it is not a problem for God to give believers ideas. It's never a problem. He supplies ideas. We sang, he will supply. He will supply. And he does supply. But there are certain things that limit believers from making it. The difference between Peter not catching fish and Peter catching fish is the word nevertheless. Suspending what he knew, suspending what he has tried to obey the master who said, cast your nets to the right side. Hallelujah. Even that, he didn't fully obey. If you read it very well, Jesus said, cast your nets. Somebody say nets. Say nets. Okay. You have a problem with your teeth? Is when you have a problem with your teeth, you can't say nets. So say nets. Aha. I wanted to hear the S. But Peter cast the net. Somebody say the net. Uh-huh. That's why the net was tearing. <laughs> That's why the net was tearing. If he had cast the net, sir, there will be no need to have the net tearing. God wants to put capacity in you to believe him for who he is. If I did not believe God and I stood there in November 2012 when he said to me, Son, it's time for you to step out into ministry. And I stood there and I'm trying to analyze and de-analyze and rationalize and critically evaluate. <laughs> I will still be there on that place, on that bed, still calculating and doing business plan. <laughs> Many people have been giving business ideas for 10 years. They are still doing business plan and checking and reanalyzing and looking at stock market. <laughs> Just step out. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor for me, whatever he says to you to do, just do it. This is all it entails. The Bible says, I am the one who teaches you the way to profit, all that you heeded my commandments. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 9 is the scripture that we hardly read in the body of Christ, but it's so powerful. Let's read it together, it's on the screen. Moreover, the profit of the land is for all. Even the king is served from the field. There is a field 
that God has prepared for everyone to be served from. Even the king is served from it. The Bible says the profit of the earth is not only for Bill Gates. It's not only for Richard Branson. It's not only for Aliko Dangote. The profit of the earth is not only for those people that you think are business moguls that control this world. They are for who? All. Somebody say that includes me. Now, the degree to which you want to take that profit is what now is the difference. We have heard the story many times that if you take a shovel to a stream, you can take water, but you can only take a shovel full. If you take a bucket, you can take water from the stream, but you can only take a bucket full. If you take a drum to the stream, you can only take a drum full. So whatever you take, whatever you believe in God is what you believe. You have to keep expanding yourself. There is a level to which you are at every time. If you limit yourself in that level, that's where you remain. It is until you see yourself going beyond. How many of you have ever seen yourself writing a hundred thousand pound check at a go as tithes? Have you ever seen it? Somebody will say, ah, pastor, don't say that. It's too much. <laughs> as I'm hearing itself, I'm, I'm, I'm about to faint. <laughs> you don't do that. You have to see it. You have to see it. But you know how you start? You write the 10 pounds. When it does not look it, you write the 100 pounds. You write the 1,000. When the more you are writing like that, the day you will write the 100,000, you won't even know that you have moved from such a journey. There are certain things, little, little things now that I'm able to do that when I look back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, those things look far-fetched. But I just, I have to reflect to say, but you know, I find it so easy to do this now, but I couldn't do this that time. I couldn't. I couldn't. When I met my wife, we met, and don't laugh. Please, don't laugh. Okay, you can laugh if you want. <laughs> when I met her, we met in the very early 90s. She met me. I was a master's student, postgraduate student. She was an undergraduate on the campus. I had nothing. My only asset in this life that time was a black briefcase. I bought it 400 naira. Nigerian Naira. That doesn't mean anything to you. Don't worry. Now, I carried it about. <laughs> that briefcase meant a lot to me. If you steal that briefcase, you have stolen my life. <laughs> I carried it with poise because that's the biggest, single, most, you know, expensive thing I've ever bought in my life, myself. 400 Naira briefcase. Now, of course, in the early 90s, that was a lot of money. That was half my salary. My salary was 700 Naira. Those of you that know the country can relate to that. This is Nigerian Naira. And uh, that was all I had. And I, when I proposed to her and she agreed to marry me, I went to their house. I, I spoke with the mother. I said, you see this briefcase? This is my whole asset. <laughs> so if you people are going to accept me like this, we will carry this journey and we will go further. We used to ride bikes, commercial bikes, from place to place. What is car? Car. There was nothing like a car then. Nothing. So we would jump on a bike. When I had preaching message, I would say, I'm going first. You take the other bike and meet me there. And we were enjoying life. We were enjoying life like that. 92, 93. We were just, you know, trusting God. But I used to tell her, you know, thank you for doing this because I see us one day flying nations. And she would say, Amen. Just like you said now. And she wasn't cynical. I see us flying between nations. I see us doing stuff for God. She said, Amen. 
Now, some ladies then would have twitched their nose and said, this guy is a fool. <laughs> Instead of seeing yourself first to have a car. <laughs> you know, when your husband tells you big dream, don't shoot it down. Don't say, let's see us start small first. No. Men are given the capacity to see large. Your role as a wife is to support him in what he's seeing. When you support him, he will get there. Hallelujah. When the man says, I see us flying nation, don't say you that you don't have one car. Go and buy a car first, then I believe you. No, no, no. But you know, many days, many times these days, when we were flying to Singapore in 2012, I tapped her. I said, do you remember my dream that I told you? I see us flying nations. She said, leave, leave me, leave me. <laughs> but she's happy. She's enjoying it. <laughs> when we land in hotels like Marina Bay Sands, where they treat you like royalty, and we walk there, go to the 56th floor. I said, that's me. That's my wife. <laughs> But I remember when she met me in a hostel room in a campus in northern Nigeria when all I had was a briefcase. So today, if I have the capacity to buy her a plane, I will buy it without even thinking. Because she suffered with me, she endured with me, she labored with me. Friends, God has a potential for every one of us to understand that there are things he wants to do in our lives and he will perfect those things in Jesus' name. Where God wants to take you, no devil will be able to stop you. In the name of Jesus. When we read our Bible text today from Exodus chapter 35, the Bible makes us to understand that people were giving willingly. When you look at that place, Exodus chapter 35, let's look at verse 24, 25. The Bible says all the women who were gifted artisans, somebody said they were gifted artisans. Say they were business people. This is my emphasis. They were gifted artisans. They spun yarn with their hands. They had the ability to do that. That was the business idea God gave to them. The Bible says they brought what they had spun of the purple and scarlet and fine linen. What God is saying about us having business ideas is so that we can have the ideas that will help us not only to maintain our families, but also to be able to do the things of God willingly. To be able to do the things that are of God and be a blessing to other people. He said, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. And so we must understand. The Bible says these women were gifted artisans. They spun blue, they spun scarlet and fine linen. Let's read verse 26. He said, and all the women, verse 26, and all the women whose hearts stared with wisdom spun yarns of goat's hair. Their hearts spun with wisdom. Their hearts were stared with wisdom. It is very important for us to understand that this is what God wants to do. God wants to give you wisdom that will stir your heart to do things. Hallelujah. Verse 29. Go straight to verse 29. He said, the children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. Can you see? The people who were blessed of God were willing to give freely. I have analyzed most of the complaints that is coming in many circles today against giving to the Lord. It's coming from poor people. It's coming from poverty mentality. You see, poverty is not because you don't have one million pounds in your account or because you don't have money in your account. Poverty is in the mind. When a person is blessed of God, you want to release for God. When I said you want to release for God. 
Look at these people. The Bible says their hearts were spared, were stirred with wisdom, and they were given freely to the things of God. This is why we must understand that we need to let our hearts be stirred. We need to let our hearts be moved by God to have ideas as to what we can do to bring us the kind of income that would help us as a people to do what God has called us to do. Hallelujah. Kingdom matters need money to operate. In my home country, Nigeria, just a couple, I think about a week ago, a new church sanctuary was opened, dedicated. And this sanctuary, church sanctuary, not football stadium, is going to sit or will sit 100,000 people. Now, it was the same country that celebrated 50,000 sitter about 20 years ago. The same country. So that country, just watch out for them. They are, they are said to build one million, I'm sure. <laughs> Hallelujah. What I'm trying to say is this. A lot of people have been criticizing it and say that money should be used for factories. That money should be used to build industry and give people jobs and things like that. And you know what I was reminded of? The woman who brought the alabaster oil and broke it and was pouring at the feet of Jesus and washing and doing. And Judas came and said, ah, that thing should have been sold and given to the poor. Does it not, sound, does it not match each other? They match each other. And the Bible says it's not so much because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Every voice. Is that it? He used to steal from the treasury. That's what the Bible says. Very true. Because he was a thief. He, because he even used to steal from the treasury. The people who are saying build factories, all the factories that are built in that same country, that the, the, the Nigeria Airways, that, was, that they, they, they ate all the money and finished it. They, nobody talked about them. <laughs> a whole airline. Nigeria Airways, when I was a child, in 1980, I flew Nigeria, in 1978, I flew Nigeria Airways from Kano to London to New York. Nigeria Airways. They finished the money in under 15 years. They chopped everything, made sure they ground the airline because of greed. Now, God is using people to build sanctuaries that will serve God for worship and employ thousands of people. Do you know how many people would need to maintain that kind of building? The administrators, the maintainers, you think it is the two people? It will employ a lot of people in itself, apart from the fact that people will come there and have spiritual encounters. Praise the Lord. Now, I am not up for extravagancy and waste in the kingdom. But whatever we must do to make the kingdom speak. Listen, friends, we started this church by the grace of God, our first service, September 1, 2013, in this building. And we have still been in this building. There are many churches like us, our age of five years, six years, who go from, from shop to shop, hotel to hotel, almost every week. Churches! Just trying to do this kingdom. Not because we are better, but because God gave us the capacity. We have spent over 180,000 pounds in rent alone, not utility bills, not anything else. Just, I'm talking about rent, not buying it yet. If God has not provided that kind of resources, we cannot be here. The kingdom of God needs money to run. And we must understand that the reason why God wants to put money in your hand and money in my hand is so that we can take care of our families, take care of our parents. When they call you and they say, oh, uh, Junior is going to university, don't say, to stop calling my phone. I told you, hey, that is poverty that is speaking. You say, oh, Junior is about to go to university, give me time. That is what God wants for you and that is what you will be. I say, that is what you will be in the name of Jesus. 
You say from today, Junior, give me your bank account every month. This is my support to you, but do well. Promise me first class. Can I hear you? You say, yes, sir. <laughs> and I tell you, Junior will make first class because he knows uncle who is sending money wants to see first class at the end of the day. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to see yourself beyond what you are seeing today. I've told you many times, I want you to see yourself when we say the church needs 10,000 pounds. You say, ah, pastor, please, I've told you, anytime there is that kind of small money, don't announce it. <laughs> don't announce it. Just come to me and say, this is what we are thinking of doing. And I will write the check. Hallelujah. Yeah. I say God will take us there in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Now, a lot of us are already doing things, and I like that. A lot of people are taking things of 100 pounds, 50 pounds, 60 pounds, and saying, pastor, don't worry, I'll take care of that. And I like that, because that's the first step to take. That is the first step to take. When we do that, we allow God. Now, very quickly, before we take our communion today, I want to start my message. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want to just quickly tell you five things that are the principles that you must have that I have learned over time. If you want to be a person that flows in business creativity. As I said, this is not a business seminar. I'm not here to teach you cash flow and investment, and bookkeeping, and those things. You can learn all that online. They are very important. Know them for your business to grow and function in the system. You need to know those principles. But these are spiritual principles that are biblical and that would help you as a person. Number one, be a worshiper. Tell your neighbor for me, be a worshiper. Be a worshiper. You see, what we don't know about worship is that worship is not just what we do when we come to church and sing songs. It is part of it, but worship is a lifestyle. John 4, 23, Jesus said, They that must worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. We must understand that worship is the correction of our focus. This is what Mike Mudok said. God doesn't need worship. He has enough worshipers in heaven. Have you not heard that angels are worshiping him? 24 elders are worshiping him. He has enough worshipers in heaven. Even trees can worship God. When they move in majestic ways. That's what the psalmist said. He said they move in majestic ways and they worship God. Jesus said if people should keep quiet, that the stones will shout out. So God does not need your worship. He doesn't need my worship. But when we worship him, our focus is corrected and we invite his presence continually. When the Bible says you worship him in spirit and in truth, that means you are living a lifestyle that is always in worship. So you have no room for, worship, for, for, on, uh, uh, for a, 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 an attitude that will break your worship. You have no room for anger. You have no room for bitterness. You have no room for any sin that the devil will want to put to hinder your worship. So you must be a person who is willing to worship. God wants us to worship even though he doesn't need our worship. Worship helps us, not him. I have been at many, many crossroads in the business world where a task is given to me and I don't know what to do and I've already been commissioned to do it and it's going to give me some small income on top and you know many times I have only got the answers in the place of worship many times I lift up my hands like this in the presence of God right there and he says to me this is what you will do about that matter not that I'm thinking of it. Not that I came into church and I'm thinking about business. No, I'm just worshipping and worshipping and worshipping. And suddenly he says, this is what you will do. This is what you will consult. This is the person you will call. And before you know it, the answer comes. First Kings chapter 3 was a very good example of a man called Solomon. 
The Bible says, Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Somebody say, Solomon worshipped. Say, Solomon worshipped. Now we know that Solomon, at a point, he missed it. But let's, let's, let's stay at where Solomon was doing things correctly. Verse 5 says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared. When you worship, he will appear. I say, when you worship, he will appear. The Bible says, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon by dream in night and said, ask, what shall I give you? And of course, Solomon did not start asking for riches. He didn't ask for things. Verse 10, the Bible says, when he asked for wisdom to rule God's people to do his job, the Bible says, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon and asked this thing. Now, let's read verse 11 together. Then God said to him, shout it out loud, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. That is to say, you have asked for yourself wisdom from me to do my kingdom, to seek first my kingdom. To do the things that you have called me to do. Because you have asked me for wisdom for that. Look at what he said, verse 12. He said, behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. So you get that. So that there has, none, there has not been anyone like you before. Nor shall any like you arise after you. A worshiper always gets the heart of God. Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage you, be a worshiper. Be a worshiper. Solomon went to Gibeon and he offered sacrifices and worshipped the Lord. The Bible says, and God appeared. God will continue to appear when you worship. I say God will continue to appear for you when you worship. In the name of Jesus. Friends, I must tell you this truth. One of the most powerful things that you get in life, in fact, the most powerful thing in life is to hear God. When you hear God as you are hearing my voice like this, your life can never remain the same. When you hear God, two things happen. You hear the instruction and you receive the power. You hear the instruction and you receive the power. God's word is power. The only difference is when we don't do anything with the power we receive. But when you receive God's word, you receive the power, you receive the inspiration. That's what keeps you going. That's what makes you, when God gives you that idea and everything is looking like it won't work, it's going to fail. Something keeps pushing you to say, I am in it. I am the one who makes you prosper. I am the one who gives you power to make wealth. I am the one who will make it work for you. And may God continue to be that person to you in Jesus' name. So be a worshiper. Number two, be a thinker. Be a thinker. Somebody say a thinker. Many people think that thinking is only associated with stress. They say, oh, too much thinking. Oh, you are worrying. Oh, thinking doesn't only have to connote worry. Thinking is a mental activity that facilitates the appreciation of vision. It allows you to continue to envision everything God has shown me about this church. I keep thinking about it, not from a position of stress. I've told you many times how I've seen 3,000 children gather in this church and I was going through them and they were all there with uniforms. So I'm thinking, Lord, how can it be? You have said it, you cannot lie. How can it be? If I restrict my thinking to what I can see in the physical, I can never attain it. So I'm thinking, not from a position of stress, but from a position of positive imagination. 
Many of us, when we think, we only think negative things. We only see negative things. Think, see yourself positively. Think, see yourself. I've told you how many times, when if you don't get here by 9.30, you will have no place to park. You will park on Stafford Street or Green Lane. I've told you many times. You say, but pastor, how can that be? I got here at 10, I I still had about 3 or 4 spaces to park. (laughs) Because I've seen it. And I have to keep thinking, what do we need to strategize? Lord, the Bible says, come and let us reason together. Have you read that in your Bible? Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. He said, even though you are a sinner, that's my paraphrase, but when you come, I will wash you as crimson and then I will reason with you. If the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8, he said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. Isaiah 55 verse 8. Verse 9 says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You need to understand that God doesn't think the way we think. But the only way we connect to his thoughts is by thinking. God relates to us with his thoughts when we are thinking. They said when Bill Gates was very young, he would just sit down like that. And his mother would say, Billy, what are you doing? Why are you always like this? He said, Mom, I'm thinking. Don't you think? <laughs> That's why we are still using his computer still today. <laughs> I'm thinking. Don't you think? Believers must know the place of thinking. Believers know how to pray. Believers know how to do every other thing. But we need to discipline ourselves to know how to think. The Bible talks about the weapon of our warfare that are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And he said, bringing every thought. Somebody say, every thought into obedience somebody say into obedience into captivity to the knowledge of christ why because every thought must be brought into the obedience of god every thought so when you are thinking and the devil comes and says you know your mom died of cancer at age 55 now you are getting to 45 so are you planning for the next 10 years (laughs) you say i rebuke that thought in jesus name he said don't forget the same thing happened to your aunt who is related to your mom and don't forget and you say i cast down those wicked imaginations right now in the name of jesus don't let the devil tell you that he's going to cut down your life short he cannot cut down any life short god in his wisdom is going to continue to take you higher and further in the name of jesus i want you to know that god is doing what he said he will do. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, he said, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue in those things, praiseworthy, meditate on these things, think on these things, because you have the potential to think the way you want to think. Don't let the devil make you think negative thoughts. Stay on positive thoughts. See yourself becoming a super success. See yourself helped by God to increase. See yourself as somebody that God will empower to do the things that he has called you to do. Keep thinking. Be a thinker. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us. May God let that power continue to work in you. In the name of Jesus. Number three, be a reader. Be a reader. Be a reader. What's number one? 
Be a worshiper, number two. Be a thinker, number three. Be a reader. A reader is a leader. Every time you read, you step ahead. Every time you read, you step ahead. Have you noticed when you're in a group, when you've read something and people have not read it, you suddenly become the commander of the group? Have you noticed that? You're in a group of colleagues, professional talking now. Everybody's talking about something and then you suddenly bring up the topic that you just read. And then suddenly everybody says, oh, we've not read that. And then you see yourself, position yourself very well as a chairman. (laughs) You suddenly become the chairman of the panel. You become the leader because you have read it. Reading helps you to advance. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, it said, Till I come, give attention to reading. Give attention to reading. Give attention to exhortation. Give attention to doctrine. Keep reading. Tell your neighbor for me, keep reading. Don't stop reading. When you read, say, when you read, you will lead. It's very simple. Husbands, read more about how to be a better husband. Wife, read more about how to be a better wife. As a minister, I read biographies of ministers. I follow the stories of people who have gone 30 years, 40 years ahead of me. And look at how they have been going. Look at how they have, been, uh, how they have not been distracted. Great servant of God, John MacArthur, he said at a time when the church was just about 1,000 people, they have taken years to get there. Suddenly, one day from nowhere, 400 people, one Sunday, just got up and left. No explanation. It took him over 10 years later to discover what, what, what actually happened, and it was all a lie. I said, wow. 400 people one day. Some pastors, will just, they will just, they will just vanish. <laughs> But these are things that have happened. So when I read that, it gave me strength to understand that it is not about who lives or who stays. It is about what God said to you and how you are handling your message. Because John MacArthur is still alive, now pastoring thousands of people 30 years after that incident. Joel Osteen said when he took over the church after his father died in 1999, the church was about 6,000 people when his father died. And some people just could not imagine how can the son, somebody we knew when he was born, when he was in diapers and all that, how can he now become pastor? They left. And when some of those people left, the church seemed to have dwindled. But suddenly, today, the church is over 30,000 people. Just 20 years later, 18, 19 years later, the church is over 30,000 people. But the biggest facility in houston that a church can have what am i trying to say friends you need to understand that the stories of people my great mentor uh john daniels um peter daniels sorry peter j daniels used to say this that the autobiographies of men have the capacity to help us to overcome incredible odds when you look at what men and women like you did to overcome things that was going to stop them when you are about to be stopped by the same things or similar things, you remember the stories, you feel energized. There are autobiographies in the Bible, there are autobiographies in our contemporary time. Read them. Read about the subject of the business you are going into. Read what makes it work. When God gives you an idea, go and study what is happening. And don't, don't, don't overanalyze, like I said, but just know about the business. Some businesses, all you need is the idea and then the person to do it for you. Say the idea... And then the person to do it for you. So you have the idea, but you are not the doer. You have somebody you are instructing to do for you. And you will still make your income from it. Praise the Lord. Number four, be a learner. Somebody say, be a learner. There's a difference between reading and learning. Reading increases your information base. The more you read, the more information you have. 
But learning increases your knowledge base. When you learn, you gain knowledge. And it is knowledge of the truth that sets free. Not the reading of the truth. If reading of the truth sets free, all the believers would have been free in this world. (laughs) Because we've all read it. But it's when we know. There are certain things that when you know that you know, that it becomes impossible for the devil to stop you anymore. I pray that you will be a learner. Acts chapter 26, we don't have time, verse 22 to 24. Festus called Paul that his learning has made him mad. Verse 24. (laughs) Festus said, your much learning has made you mad. Because Paul was analyzing everything for him out of knowledge. How God sent Jesus Christ. How the fathers were, 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 were suffered. But how God sent Jesus Christ and he was first to rise from the dead and so on. Just by learning. Hallelujah. The last thing I want to say is be a doer. Say, be a doer. doer. Let's quickly read the five things. Be a worshiper. Be a thinker. Be a reader. Be a learner. And then finally, be a doer. You see, all those things you can learn, you can read, you can worship, you can do. If you don't do, you never can make business work. Whatever business ideas God gives to you, do it. The Bible says, whatever he said to you to do, just do it diligently. Read Exodus chapter 35. We have read it in the time of scripture reading. Those of you who are listening to audio podcasts, please read our scripture reading was Exodus 35 verse 30 to 33. So whatever is laying on your heart to do, God will empower you to do it. The last scripture I want to read to you today is First Chronicles chapter 28 verse 9. When David was handing over to Solomon, he said, As for you, my son, Know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart. With a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Verse 10. Let's read verse 10 together. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong. And do it. Tell your neighbor for me. Whatever he says to you to do. Just be strong. And do it. He has empowered you. Only be strong. And do it. In the name of Jesus. This communion today. Is to help you. To receive strength. Strength to be able to hear God. And strength to be able to do. What he has called you to do. So I'd like you to rise to your feet. Unless we get the